Assalamu alaikum. Welcome, Dope Muslim Woman Podcast family, to another week with the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. Welcome. We are now live. Alhamdulillah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Forgiveness and Redemption series of season three of the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. And this week is extremely special. It's our special edition week, mashallah. And this special edition is a two-part episode. We are launching part one titled Forgiveness After Divorce. I am your host, Sabria Mills, and I would like to say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome. It means a lot when you guys give your salams um, on the live. Please greet us. Wa alaikum salam. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Alhamdulillah. Thank you guys for coming in. Please share the podcast. Now is a great time to share it onto your page. So go ahead and share. Um, that's a contribution that you give back to the work that we do. Alhamdulillah. And I would like to just say that I am so humbled and happy that I'm joined here today for this amazing and intimate discussion, which I'll introduce my guests in a minute. But I am here with my co-host, Sister Medina Elwakil Dawson. She was here before. She co-hosted twice before. Um, and she also has her own episode where she actually talked about marriage on season one. Um, she is my counselor friend. We typically um, all go to her for all of um, any issues <laughs> in, re in regards to counseling. Um, she's phenomenal in the work that she does. Thank you so much for joining us, Medina Wakil Dawson. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me again. We are here again. Um, I hope that that I can do some justice, if, if you will, um, to what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited. I'm really excited to hear about um, what our our guests have to talk about. Inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. Yeah. So let me introduce them. Mashallah. This is um, this is extremely special. Um, it's uncharted territory for me. Um, so I ask that we before we all begin, that we make a dua um, that Allah is pleased with this and that we benefit from it. I mean. But I would like to introduce our guest. I'm going to start with our sister. Um, my sister here, she's been on the Dope Muslim podcast a couple of times. MashaAllah, she's a huge helper and supporter of the podcast. She's also an owner and a host of her own podcast called Between Us Podcast. Between and Us and Y'all, excuse me, podcast. And it can be found on all the streaming platforms. Um, she does it with her son, Nafis, and it is absolutely phenomenal. So please support and check her out. She's also a business analyst. Um, she's a caterer owner of Spirits Food LLC, vegan food, and they have these amazing cinnamon buns and bean pies and all kinds of stuff. So make sure you check her out. But I would like to welcome Sister Yasmin Hamid back to the Dope Muslim Women Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, sis. And I'm happy and humbled to introduce our brother. Um, he's He was pretty humble with giving me his information, but I do know a lot of people know him for the work that he does um, in farming and permaculture. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, he's also a teacher and an activist. He's a father, grandfather, and he's also a really, really dope artist. Mashallah. Many of us have been a witness to his performances. I would like to welcome Brother Ross Kofi to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having us. 
Thank you, brother. Thank you guys for being here. Um, please, 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 we want to encourage an interactive discussion this time. Like I said, this is a very special edition. Um, this is an episode that probably will be very hard to repeat. So I'm glad that you guys are here. Take advantage of the live comments and take advantage of having a dialogue and ask, also asking questions. Mashallah. So we're here to talk about forgiveness after divorce. And approaching this topic is so important to approach it with um, and I didn't, when I introduced you guys, I left out a very important fact <laughs> that you guys were once married. Yasmin and Raz Kofi was once married. They were once a married couple. They are now divorced and they are coming for the first time speaking publicly, just sharing some of their experiences and offering some wisdom as people navigate divorce and navigate forgiveness. So that's a really important part. Um, discussing this topic is an issue that we have in our community. You know that collectively our community struggles with divorce in general. We've spoken a lot about it. Um, and it's a huge area of concern for even just our audience members. I wanted to just start really quick and take a pause and just start at the beginning. You guys were once married. Can you give us a little bit of information about like how long you were married and um, even just whatever you want to share about the marriage? That's me. You want to start? I think Kofi should go first this time. <laughs> this myself first. <laughs> okay, brother. Uh, word. Um, well, you know, part of, again, I'm grateful to be here and try not to be long-winded. But part of uh, my grounding is to look at everything from a historical perspective um, because we were taught that all history is a current event. So the short answer is that uh, Yasmin and I met when I came back from, I was in Africa after having lived in um, Philadelphia for a few years as a teacher. And upon my return, we met and we were married um, roughly two years later. Um, so, I'm not going to give you all the details because she's. <laughs> this is the part I was waiting for. <laughs> the part about who was staring at who and all that stuff is she going to tell me something different? But a lot, surely a lot knows and speaks the truth. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so it was just kind of from the offset, uh, a really intentional um, communication and intentional union to use that word even before a marriage you know just um we both come from families who are about community and um about community building so we're i think i can speak for both of us we're both kind of community minded so that played a huge part in our, the development of our friendship and uh we were married for another two years almost three years Okay. I'm gonna stop there and stay okay. in the state. <laughs> yeah, I'm Leila. So um like Kofi said, you know, we both came together um intentionally, you know, at the time when we first met, he was practicing Rastafari, you know, as as, a, as far as his path was concerned, before he took his shahada. And um I found so many similarities with that practice to Islam, you know, and so we were very um, intentional of trying to bring those communities, our communities together, 
our families together because we found that there was a lot of collective work that was happening in Atlanta and beyond, you know, within our communities that could have been stronger if we were together. You know, so one of the things that we were very interested in is, you know, this grand idea of bringing our communities together, you know, and bringing these people and these families and these resources together, you know, because we saw ourselves as conduits, you know, to do that. And I believe we did it, you know, we were successful in that. So that was one of, you know, one of our intentions and one of my intentions also, you know, was Kofi came from a background. His mother um, is an educator. She's an ancestor now, just like my mother is an ancestor now. They're both educators, you know, and very intentional educators, you know, throughout the United States. And I just wanted to show our parents, you know, that we had the ability to to reap what, you know, they had put into us, you know, and to show it on a whole nother level. So our fathers as well, you know, um, I'm not gonna disregard them at all, you know, but we were very intentional about, you know, our parents and our family and collectively what we could bring together, you know, as far as a marriage and a community marriage too. Mm, Thank you for that. Thank you, I, I appreciate you guys sharing that and just showing kind of where it started, but I wanted to just segue and, you know, focus this conversation in on divorce. And like I said, our community typically does struggle with divorce and the fallout from these relationships. How do we navigate outside of that um, realm of being married? Um, can you both it, just perhaps share a little tidbit of why you think um, some of the reasons you believe divorce impacts our wider community so heavily? And how did it personally impact you? Hmm. Um, well, you know, I would like to say from the offset that the whole picture to me can be contextualized by something that one of, um, I don't mind calling his name, just he, he shared this information with me even before Yasmin and I had um, declared our intention to be married. We were just talking one day, it was a brother, Imam Mohammed Mendez, and we were just talking outside of the radio studio. And he basically said to me that, you know, people say all the time about marriage being half of the deen in Islam, but do you know why that is? And then, you know, he started answering the question, you know, um, it was a rhetorical question. It's because the fullness of the deen, the fullness of life is to be one with God and nothing will prepare you to be one with God like marriage. <laughs> and so for me, like I could put the whole this whole conversation in that context. So it's always been a preparation to be one with God, you know. And I understand that we I think we both gain a, a greater understanding through our relationship uh, how that's practically so. Because one of the first things it does is that it challenges your ego, you know, because when you're intimate in that way with somebody, there's no fences that you can put up, you know, you, um, you, you see yourself reflected, you see your bare self. And so whatever things that we're personally dealing with, we see them kind of reflected in the people around us. And so that really it has helped me to really learn a very powerful lesson in life. And to answer your question, I think that most of us have not yet accepted that, that there's nothing personal. There's a book, um, it's not really a religious book, but it's one of those, um, motivational books called The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is, you know, take nothing personal, you know? And that's very difficult for us in our life because we're, you know, we've been trained in this society to look at everything individualistically, 
and also within that then to be defensive about anything that is not does not feel peaceful and beautiful to us in the moment you know so just to start with that you know i think that's one of the main reasons why um divorce why where what even before divorce impacting so many people the, the reason why there's a 75 or something percent divorce rate because most of us have not really tuned in to the reality of God, and I don't mean that in any kind of disrespectful way or even in a religious proselytization way, regardless of who, whatever his path is, there are some basic realities that I think we've been um, taught a very dangerous way of looking at life through Western eyes, even if we're Muslims or even if we're you know, from um, various progressive um, spiritual walks, you know, most of our teachers still teach us a really a really narrow way of looking at things. And so if we have a narrow way of looking at life, then how can we possibly process something that is so intimate and just really goes down to the, the essence of your being, like marriage? You know, that would be my my answer, generally speaking. Thank you, brother. Yasmin? So my my opinion about how the community impacts um, um, divorce is the thing about picking sides. You know, oftentimes um, there's just this automatic thing that people feel that they have to choose. Who am I going to side with? You know, and who's the person who's wrong or who's right? And then unfortunately, in my situation, you know, I'm kind of bringing personal and community together. People are thinking like you must be out of your mind for you know divorcing this able-bodied man who's willing and able, you know what I mean? Because people are just frantic about this idea of the shortage of men and sane men, you know what I mean? And um, men who are not mentally unstable, you know, or financially unstable, whatever the stability issue is, you know what I mean? So oftentimes, you know, a sister that decides I, I was the one who initiated the divorce, if they're looking at me that something must be wrong with you, you know, you must be in the wrong, something must be clearly, you know, wrong with you to leave this wonderful person, you know, especially when I'm not sharing any details about what happened, you know, because people want information so that they can feel justified in their sighting. And, and when I didn't do that, people were like, well, you must be wrong. Something must be wrong with you, you know, and I was very isolated, you know, and, and, and luckily it didn't cause me to leave the community, but unfortunately it causes many women to do that, you know, because of that isolation and because of this feeling alone and not having a support system of someone you can trust to talk to about, you know, what you're going through or to help you get back, you know. So that was tough for me, you know. And then another personal thing was we have children, you know, that Kofi and I were both raising, you know, well, co-raising because both of the parents were actively involved, you know, the girls and Nafisa's father were actively involved, but we were collectively doing our best to raise them together. So personally, that was one of the hardest impacts for me you know, knowing that one of the things in your first episode when Drea talked about um, sorry that hurting you was a part of my legacy, you know, it made me really think about you never want to hurt someone, you know what I mean, for whatever reason, but definitely not children, you know what I mean, because you don't want to give them the example of a divorce and they have an idea that this is a person who hurt my father or this is a person who hurt my mother and they will never forget that, you know what I mean, they, they hold on to those things and those are the things that a lot of people don't understand that 
that hurts the community, you know what I mean? Because those children have to grow up to be married one day, you know, and they haven't been provided with an example of success. So for me, that was one of the um, personal impacts. Mm, I don't know. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you, you guys sharing that. That was really impactful. Thank you very much. Medina? So before I go on to the next um, to the next question that is about forgiveness, but I do have a question for you, Yasmin, because of what you just said. Do you have a specific recommendation for the community when someone when someone in the community gets divorced? What do you want them to do? I think we have to start before there becomes a problem to develop a process for how people can be protected. You know when they have issues that really is a real form of support you know what i mean what does it really look like to be surrounded and to, to be supported and not just financially because oftentimes the community is really just about you know do you need a check you about to get kicked out you know what i mean or are you about to get evicted or something like that are you starving or something like that and sometimes you just need help you know with yeah. conflict resolution you know what i mean or maybe it's that you need support with how to communicate you know what I mean? Because oftentimes, a lot of times, breakdowns happen with communication and frustration in that way. So I think that we need a process to be in place before divorces even come about. And I think that anyone who agrees to be married that's a part of a community should have to, to participate with stuff like that. So that you don't expect the community to only be held accountable after you leave, but you're also held accountable as well for you know what you're doing. And if you're doing that, I think that you're a little bit, you'll be a little bit more intentional because you know that people are, are there, you know, and they're, it's not just you alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to, Medina, before you chime into the second one, I just wanted to go to um, um, Brother Kofi, if you don't mind. Do you feel like there's a different response and from the community or to, to the brothers versus the sisters, as Yasmin sort of mentioned her experience? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're on mute. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. brother. Can you repeat? You're on mute. I apologize. Yeah, I'll say yes okay. and no. In my case, uh, I live a very public life. I think one of the things that uh, we, Yasmin and I agreed on, and even I think this episode, Alhamdulillah, is a manifestation of that, is that we would do our best to use our influence, our collective influence, with our communities to just be an example of, you know, um, not even necessarily best practices, but just putting our best foot forward, so to speak, you know, even in the times of of distress, because that's a natural part of life, distress, you know. So there, on one level, it is different because patriarchy is a real uh, serious disease, <laughs> you know, that, is still rampant in our world and unfortunately is rampant in the Islamic world just like most of the rest of the world. And uh, for those who don't know what I mean, patriarchy is not something, I don't mean um, like having a patriarch, having a male figure. I mean, patriarchy is is the idea basically that women are lesser, you know, are not as important and not as, as um, powerful and not as blessed with God, even though we have all these hadith and all these traditions that speak so differently about that, right? Uh, so there's Arab culture and patriarchy that has seeped into our African Muslim experience, just like the rest of the African world. Um, so there's that, I think that kind of lends to a difference in a sense, 
But then, like, for me, it was no different because I had all kind of people knocking on my door asking me the same question that Yasmin said she was at. You know, how could, what could you know, this is such a wonderful woman and she's done, such, you know, how could y'all, how could this be? You know, and I was raised in a way that we, you know, um, you don't, you don't feed, you don't feed, even in the times of where you might be feeling personal hurt yourself, you don't feed into the drama by, you know, just feeding that. And then because we've seen it happen so many times, unfortunately and fortunately, we've had so many people come before us who went down that slippery road, you know, that you can say, well, here's, here's what not to do. Here's how we can make this um, a different turn while still being genuine, while still being yourself and speaking your truth and processing your feelings, you know what I mean? So it's really about a mindset. Um, it's really about a mindset that is really, again, it might sound redundant, but community-minded versus individual-minded. If you're just thinking about yourself and, you know, your reputation and your image and all that, it could be real rough for you. But if you're thinking long-term in terms of this is, a, this is a whole legacy that we've inherited, and also, as Yasmin just said, a legacy that we're attempting to, to propagate to our children, and you just think with a different kind of, you think in a different way, you move in a different way when it comes to those sensitive things. Mm. I'm sorry, Medina. Yeah, okay, don't apologize. This is good. Thank you. Thank you to both of you for uh, sharing your thoughts on that. Okay, so when we think about divorce, we think about um, a trauma, a loss. Um, so the qu next question is like, how do you get through that? So forgiveness is a strong medicine for pain and loss. You gotta forgive yourself you, and then you have to forgive the other person. So um, we often speak about forgiveness as if it takes something from us, mm. but we know it is one of the best things you can do for yourself, for you. What was your process of forgiveness. Um, brother, I'm going to start with you, if that's okay. My... Your process of forgiveness. Process of forgiveness. Yeah, I'm, I'm processing the question. Um, you know, first and foremost, I have to go back to some, some, some gems we have in our community. We have some people who have been teaching for a long time because I don't think this is an isolated situation, you know? Um, people go through things and there's all kind of differences that can can uh, play into, as factors into people separating. So a huge part of my process of just processing in general was uh, a group of uh, an elder man and woman who have a, um, a system called healing oppression's wounds, and and part of what they teach in that paradigm is using your feelings as messengers. So again, all of this goes back to what I said at the beginning about Mayor Mendez. You know, this is all an opportunity to to get with God. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you keep that as a focus, it kind of helps things. Um, also, to be honest. Yasmin, at the beginning of our relationship, she had us do this exercise <laughs> called the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent. And I must bear witness that that, that that's like a really uh, sustainable way to build a relationship. Because again, things happen. 
you know, um, in our situation, you know, we're not, it wasn't nothing off the chain or something that happened, but, you know, just people have cultural and all kind of societal things that are pulling at you, right? Um, but when we did that exercise, it was, uh, it was allowing us from the jump to be vulnerable and to be transparent about how we saw ourselves. So a lot of the things that we ended up facing that became um, a struggle or a source of stress or whatever, it wasn't no surprise to either one of us. You know, we went into the situation knowing, okay, this is what it is, and so we gave it our best shot, so to speak. So I'm 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 gonna answer that in that way because I think part of the process, from my perspective, is not. Most of it didn't just come from some interpersonal strength or something like that. It came from systems that, that have been already been put in place, either by us or other systems that we had inherited. Um, and that it just speaks again to the power of community. You know, no man is an island. It's only when we think individually and everything that we really, again, go down into that rabbit hole, you know? So my process um, started with that, you know? And then it's just, there was, also, I'm grateful about, you know, she mentioned our families. I'm, I didn't witness anything and like Yasmin's family, for instance, anybody taking sides and all that kind of stuff, you know, because we had become close, you know, and um, and I think it's really the same way in terms of my children and my family. Nothing, none of that was even ever voiced to me where, you know, it's like now we got to deal with all this stress because all of those types of things compound the process of healing. So when you know that, okay, me and her are at odds, if you want to say that, but me and her brothers are still cool. You know, we can talk and we can talk frankly, talk as men, you know, and, and, and vice versa. You know, um, her son, it's still to this day, I just, he's my son, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, you know what I mean? That's the champ, you know, and, and like, and vice versa, you know, so if those types of things help, help to buffer, uh, they help to, to, to um, kind of go around unnecessary pain and unnecessary drama. So now you can just deal with, the basics of terms of like, what what is this for me? What is this whole process? What is this, uh, what are the lessons in this for me? Again, because all of this is supposed to be the most intimate way to get with God, you know? MashaAllah. Wow, that was, that was deep, Brother Kofi. Okay, um, yes, ma'am, same question. I'll repeat it for you. What was your process of forgiveness? All right, so being a Virgo, I have notes. You know, I can make some notes. I wrote this down. Shout out to the Virgos. <laughs> For me, I need this kind of information, you know, and there may be some listeners who actually need points that they can actually take notes and write down because sometimes when you're dealing with forgiveness, you can be frantic, you know what I mean? And you actually need steps that you could say, I just need to know what I do, one, two, whatever, you know? So these are my seven steps for forgiveness, you know, as it relates to um, many things, but not just divorce, you know? So the first thing would be to acknowledge what violation has taken place and what needs to be forgiven or that you require forgiveness about. Acknowledge that, what the violation is. Two would be to pray for forgiveness for yourself and any of the other parties involved and pray that you are praying for things you know of and are not aware of. Three would be to give yourself unlimited time to heal and forgive. 
but to be intentional about moving forward and doing something about what needs to be done. Four would be be sure to forgive yourself, regardless if you were at fault or are owed forgiveness. You may even write down the things that you forgive yourself for. For example, one of the things that I said, two things that I said for my thing was, Yasmin, forgive yourself for being selfish and unwilling. Or Yasmin, forgive yourself for not having the tools to communicate your needs effectively. Five would be accept that forgiveness and forgetting don't have to be the same thing in order for you to get to be a good person or to be on the path to great healing. Six, actively replace your emptiness associated with pain and loss with something beneficial to your growth. And finally, seven would be actually forgive others and communicate with them at some point, even if it's not in a real conversation that you forgive them. This can occur for those who have passed on as well and can act as a powerful tool towards forgiveness and healing. And before um, you move on, I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, Kofi and I have been divorced for about four years now. And I know some of the listeners are probably thinking like, what, why are we having these people talking, you know, but forgiveness for everyone takes time, you know, so it may take you 10 years, it may take you four years, you know what I mean? So the reality is, is this is an excellent example of what forgiveness looks like, you know what I mean? Because who knows, you know, where anyone is with their forgiveness, but when you actively take the steps to move forward to heal that, that's the power. And that's what I'm grateful for, so. Real talk. I mean, I remember my mom transitioned three years ago. I think about three years ago, I was be pleased with her. And, who, and this was after me and Yasmin been divorced now for two years at least and who is helping my mom, helping to prepare my mom for burial, Yasmin, you know? Um, I mean, and that was initiated by my sister, you know what I mean? So it wasn't no kind of toxic vibe going on where it's like, I'm giving, I'm feeding all this drama to my sister's ears and everything. And so that wouldn't even be something that would be possible, you know? For me, that was an, an, an absolute, example of what the journey is all about you know what i mean it showed that there was something there from the jump that regardless of if we were divorced there was something that was a deeper regard for our, each other's humanity and again the family ties you know there's an old um, there's a saying in the christian tradition you know blessed be the ties that bind us you know that's real i don't think that's just limited to christianity that's a human reality and it's definitely an African reality, you know, so, yeah. Mm, so I, I will definitely say before uh, Sabria takes the next question. Um, yes, me, you said people are probably wondering why the two of you are on here. You're like the epitome of what uh, people should be like when they get divorced. So, so whatever the list that you gave, the, the seven steps that you gave, I hope people were taking notes. Dre, I saw that you had your, uh, your notepad up. I hope people were taking notes because I, even as a counselor, listening to some of those, I didn't even think of some of those. Like that's, <laughs> I, that's, that's, I want to make sure that I let my human, my nest show, you know, we had some time that it wasn't so nice. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah, so yeah. went through no drama and stuff. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to front and say that I didn't have my crying and losing weight, listening to Mary J. Blige and all the stuff. You know what I mean? That we do. You know what I mean? But that's a part of healing and you have yeah. to allow yourself to grieve. And whatever way it works for you, you know what I mean? So I might have my list today, but I didn't have that list all the way together four years ago, but I'm grateful, you know, for growth. So alhamdulillah, 
I just want to be transparent so people don't think that I just, you know, <laughs> got it all right here. I'm just floating around and, and not feeling. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to just, you know, Marshall, I, I really appreciate, really appreciate both you guys' perspective as it relates to that. So many of us are navigating it and trying to figure it out. And one of the things I was really, like I said, reflective of as, you know, approaching this episode was just sometimes that struggle, that transition of letting go. Um, you know, when you decide to to embark on a divorce, there's there's a grieving process. You know, there are a lot of feelings that come up to the surface from abandonment and rejection, and just confusion. Um, you go through all these different stages. I wanted to talk a little bit about that very real process, because I know we talked a little bit about the sweet stuff at the end of it, which is, you know, we all pray to get to that point, those of us that are divorced or going through a divorce. But what was some of that really yucky, rough stuff that you had to go through, the tor turmoil, to even arrive at a place where you think, where you thought forgiveness was an option? And I'm going to, Yasmin, can you, can you segue into that first? Sure, of course. Um, so one of the things I spoke about earlier was about this picking of sides, you know, that happened. And one of the things that was very difficult for me was, um, Kofi and I have a lot in common, you know, so we, we made a lot of common friends, you know what I mean? But when we separated or divorced, a lot of those people that were, I thought were my folks ended up going with him, you know, and, and choosing him, you know what I mean? And so I felt betrayed at first, you know what I mean? And thinking to myself, like, you're supposed to be my sister, you're supposed to be my brother, like, you know, side with me, like, you know, what's going on here? And so I was very frustrated with that at first, but then I had to come to the point to understand that my burden is not someone else's burden and it, I shouldn't force it onto someone else to make them feel or understand in the way that I do. And sometimes the picking of sides is not the way that I had defined it. You know what I mean? And so it, it helped me to understand that people are going to do the things that they want to do, but sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with me. You know, I know we talked about before the, um, the four agreements, you know, and about this making assumptions, you know what I mean? And sometimes you can make assumptions that are absolutely wrong. And I didn't give a lot of those people the benefit of the doubt to just ask, you know, um, how come you didn't show up for me? You know what I mean? Where were you when I needed you? You know what I mean? So that was very difficult for me. And I felt that another thing that was really hard was collectively some of the things that Kofi and I were um, trying to build. You know, I wasn't at a place to be able to continue it. You know what I mean? Some people can work together after breaking up, but I wasn't in a space to be able to do that type of thing. So some of those things could have been powerful and beneficial, you know, projects or whatever for the community, but I wasn't in, in a space to do that. I'm going to, before Kofi, I bring you in, I'm just going to segue into an uh, audience question. They said, yes, but did you have a lot of assets, properties, investment accounts, and children to divide? This is divorce with a capital D when it can get ugly. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of true. Is, though, but. It's interesting because I, I, I see that those are the things that usually stand out as being most important, you know, at the end of a relationship. To answer the question very plainly, we didn't have too much stuff, you know what I mean, that was a, a big you know, problem. And we didn't have any birth children together, although we did, you know, raise our children in a, for a time together. So that wasn't a big thing, but for me, those assets are, are physical and, and mental and spiritual. You know, those those are the things that stood out more as far as I'm concerned. So 
So even if we had accumulated, you know, mansions and, and all those things, those things wouldn't have outweighed the other things, you know what I mean? And, and that was what was more important to me. So that's where the capital D stands in for me. Mm. That's real. That's really real. Before uh, Kofi answers, I, can I address um, something with Yasmin really quickly? Mm -hmm. um, you were mentioning how your friends uh, didn't, like, they didn't reach out as much. And sometimes you wanted to say, like, what about me? Um, and I thought about that because, you know, being the one that Sabria introduces me as all the time as the counselor for, for everyone, um, you know, people, I hear people say that a lot. And I, I think, when I hear that, I think about the fact that maybe those people, your friends, it's not about you. Maybe they're going through something and they don't even know how to address it. So I'm saying that to, to the audience as well. Maybe your friends and your people don't know how to address it. They don't know the right things to say. They don't know what role that they play in that um, uh, relationship or broken relationship or however you want to define it. Um, so, so give them a little grace. Um, or, or let them know I need you. I feel you, sis. But on another note, on some just yeah. raw stuff, I honestly feel like it's back to what Kofi said in the very beginning. Some yeah. people are just patriarchal. You know what I mean? They just feel like the man is right. Let me side with this brother because maybe I'm trying to get with this brother now that he's free. You know, from that marriage. So let me show up with the macaroni and the casseroles and <laughs> the pearls. Okay, go ahead. And mashallah, brother, you just farm so Look at You know what I mean? And, and that just lets me know who you really were and, and, and the whole thing. You know what I mean? So okay. that's beautiful what you said, but on the real, some people are just ratchet. I, I, I just want to say. I'm sorry. I'll take it no, back. No, no. I also want to just say, because I think it's, it's, it's really important, though, but I do also think we do have an issue within our community. And I mean, I'm a person that's, you know, went through this experience where we sometimes look for a scandal. I think Yasmin pointed to that. Even um, Kofi pointed to the aspect of um, if, you know, you're not being beaten up and bloody and, and or, you know, something really, really drastic. Um, then why, then there has to be some scandal attached to your separation, otherwise unjustified. And when you, and that, I'm sorry, a lot of times gets projected on the woman, in my opinion. That's why I asked Kofi, like, do you under, do you notice a difference? But we could be just coming from our lens, yes, me. I don't know. But I just feel like it could be. It's real. You know, we've all experienced it in the Muslim community. Then unfortunately, a lot of times women are judged you know what i mean i know somebody came to me with you know oh she stopped covering her hair because she's not even muslim no more you know what i mean not even knowing my personal life you know what i mean you don't know what's going on with my hair or my head you know you don't know what's right. happening right. but the reality is is you making you're making those assumptions so for me what i did is just came to the practice of making dua for those type of people and making sure i remembered them and my prayers because you can you can honestly pray someone's you know drama away from you. I believe that. You know what I mean. And when you think of it and change your thinking in a way where you bring me negativity and I don't even invite it. You know what I mean. And I remember you in prayer as opposed to you remembering me in the drama that you're collecting. So. Alhamdulillah. All right. So, um, Medina, we're talking about. The stage, some of the stages of grief. I wanted to, and if I, I just wanted to write like the next question, I did want to segue into understanding the male experience versus the female experience. I think that's a super important. Um, we've done divorce episodes before. We typically get a very feminine 
um, female sort of viewpoint because it is the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. But I do want us to really look at both experiences equally and just see what the difference is. Because I think a lot of what happens post-divorce um, is a lack of understanding from woman to man and man to woman, in my experience. Um, mm -hmm. Medina, I'm sorry, you can go ahead and ask your question. I had a question. <laughs> I love my co <laughs> No, The way you said it was like, I had something good. I, I but um, okay, so we'll segue to the next question. So we understand that we go through several stages. Nope. That question? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We understand uh, that we go through several stages of grief during a divorce. Many of us struggle with feelings of anger, bitterness, and resentment after a divorce. How do men versus women process these emotions? And then there's another question. How can we better communicate and or obtain mutual understanding during this process? Hmm. Wait, can you say that one more time? I got lost. Of course. So, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so I'll read the, not the whole question. I'll read just the two questions. How do men versus women process these emotions? So the emotions of uh, the stages of grief, um, and then how can we better communicate? How can men and women better communicate and obtain a mutual understanding of the process that they're going through? Does that better explain it? Cool, okay. Because I do just want to say, just as a, on the woman's side, just to kind of give it a um, thing really quickly, on the woman's side, you know, sometimes the reactions from the ex-spouse, the male seem so angry. And so it's like from the woman's side, it's like, oh, my gosh, let me protect myself from you, whereas that perhaps is their way of expressing grief. So I think there's a lot that happens at post-divorce that makes a situation ugly. And we and like we kind of add to what needs to be forgiven, you know, even after the divorce because of what happens on, you know, on the other side. I'm sorry, Brother Kofi. Go ahead. No, well, you know, it's said that for a lack of knowledge, people perish, you know, so this all these questions lead back to some fundamental principles. So I'm not dodging the specifics and all that kind of stuff, but it just really leads me to some fundamental principles. And again, the couple that I mentioned have a group called Healing Oppression's Wounds, where part of the teachings is talking about using your feelings as a messenger. So that's part of how you process things after something has happened that that um, that 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 feels bad. You know, and, and I think this is part of something that in my mind should be a part of a rites of passage for everybody you know, all of us and all of our people, because we're talking about something, we're talking about a a very human um, reality of disappointment and all these things. But just real quick, so for instance, if there's anger, then the paradigm says that there has to be some kind of violation. And if you've found a violation, um, then there, that's when you're legitimately, quote unquote, angry. Other than that, it's something else. So as you said, Sister um, Sabria, is it? Yes. You know, like, for instance, <laughs> men often substitute fear or sadness for anger. Because we're, you know, that's how we, we're taught not to be vulnerable and all that kind of stuff. So therefore, anything that feels unbalanced, I'm going to handle it like rah, rah, you know? Um, if you're sad, then the, the whole point is to recognize what has been the loss. What have you lost? And then you move on from there in terms of finding a way to grieve and let go. And if you are um, afraid, then what is the danger, you know? 
And just even little small stuff like that, a little formula like that. Think about if we, if since we was in seventh grade, we learned to process these very real emotions like that, we probably wouldn't be having these type of discussions as regularly and as urgently as we are, you know, because those are those are building blocks for civilization. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in terms of, I can, it's really difficult for me to speak about how men process things. I'm a man, but I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't think I'm just a regular everyday man. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think he really qualifies for it. Yeah, you know, because I mean, and it's really not any any um, props for me, it's for the people who raised me, you know, they just, a lot was put into me, uh, very intentional about, again, being community-minded, you know, and. It's not just community minded because that's something that I had to deal with um, earlier in life is, you know, one of my names mean he belonged to the people. And so that could be very tricky if you were a family man, you just belong to, you know, so we got a lot of people who just belong to the people and we're for the people and all this kind of stuff. And so neglect your family and you just for the people, you know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that the most difficult thing for me to process was just just my own feelings because and it comes to a point where we we I think uh Yasmin and I were talking the other day off the off the line and my assertion was that part of it has to do with just some cultural differences cultural differences that are not even on some good and bad stuff but just cultural differences that if you don't take time these are things that people take years and decades working out you don't take time to really reconcile these differences and to really acknowledge these differences and usually you don't get to acknowledge something until it's fly right in your face right so i mentioned the good bad ugly and indifferent that really was very helpful i know somebody in the chat was uh asking for the details, but I'm going to say that for Yasmin's book, because she told me she to write a book. But, you know, it's just like, if if you have some basic things, like one of them that's very general is some people talk a lot and some people don't talk a lot. Yeah. Like, literally. And these are both sincere people who have the very same goal of resolving whatever it is they're dealing with. But they just handle it differently. And not just specifically based on this person's astrological makeup and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, Yasmin says she a Virgo and I'm a Taurus or Aries, depending on what, if you deal with the 12 or the 13 moon sign or whatever. Um, but regardless, it's like, there are some things that we inherit just how we grew up, you know? I remember one time this doctor named Dr. Fukia, he's an ancestor now from the Congo, he was talking about in his society, if, and the way he, the way he even phrased it was so profound to me. He said, if two people feel themselves important enough where they can have beef with each other, if they find themselves important enough where they can have beef with each other. And he wasn't talking about like social media where the beef is all public. It might be something nobody know about, but the whole point is, how Allah created us in community and as one, even if there's something that's very relatively small or relatively private, it affects the whole. But if these people found themselves so important enough where they could have beef with each other, 
they had they were made to sit in the middle of this compound. There was a hut in the middle of the compound that was only yay high, like two feet high, so they couldn't even walk around and huff and puff. And they had to sit there until they worked it out. That's a cultural thing. Yeah. We were we raised in this that culture here in America. No, we were raised as like we all have the ability to go into our own room, into our own chapel, into our own little cave. Uh-oh. And right, but it's almost promoted, it's elevated above the communal kind of energy, you know? So yeah. I could go on and on, but that's, I think that's, um, that's, that's the long and short. <laughs> um, guess me, what about from the feminine perspective, women, what, what are some, what's some insight you can give? So as far as women are concerned, um, I, I will speak about how, you know, we are naturally nurturers, you know what I mean? And we, when we are not able to nurture, we feel guilty, you know what I mean? And we feel like failure, you know, in a sense, because I believe relationships in a sense can be seen just like raising a child in a sense where you are putting everything into this thing. You're, you are investing, you're doing all that you can to nurture it and allow it to grow. And when it dies or when it withers or doesn't, you know, rise the way that you expect it, you can feel defeated, you know what I mean? So. As far as a, a woman is concerned, for me, you know, my specific um, thing was I didn't, I didn't make it. You know what I mean? I didn't do all the things that I could have done to make this thing successful. You know what I mean? And so, one of the processes that I went through was actually something Kofi and I used to do. You know, together was we would we had a board. You know that we used to write on where we would say, please say, please don't say, please do and please don't do, you know, and we would fill it out throughout the week and communicate about those things at the end of the week. And I did that with myself, you know, after the relationship ended, you know, and it, it takes bravery to be able to really, not just talking to yourself like a crazy person or something, you know what I mean? But really, really speaking to yourself and understanding what happened, what happened here? You know, what was the thing that you went through? And it's our, the other exercise that um, Kofi mentioned with the good, bad, and the ugly and the beautiful was a, a process of, we had to write 10 things about ourselves under each of those categories. And then we exchanged the list, you know what I mean? And it's funny when you're writing those things about someone else, it's real easy to talk about what's good about this other person or what's beautiful, you know, but I made that list again after, you know, we divorced and compared it, you know, to see what had changed, what was different you know, about what I saw that was beautiful about myself or what was ugly, you know, what were those things? And I really paid attention to them because I don't want to take those things into another relationship or into the raising of my son or, you know, the raising of my community. I don't want to take those things and have them as baggage. So I was intentional about those things. And, you know, I did some regular woman stuff where we do our cleanses and we drink our, you know, vinegar and lemon and all of that stuff, you know, that we do. We work out, you know, and um, I try to be intentional about that because I really believe grief is what's associated with things like cancer and um, body illnesses. You know, this is one of the things that I could say, give thanks to Kofi, you know, for, for learning that from him in our marriage. You know, he was very intentional about teaching me about a lot of stuff like that. And I'm grateful to have held on to it. I knew some things, you know, before I met him, you know what I mean? But. I can say that I tried to make sure that I didn't hold too much stress inside because I was concerned about my health, my mental health and my physical health. So that was, that's my answer. I need to, 
I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, can I um, ask Yasmin? I'm always going to keep asking this. What would you tell the, not the community, we don't want to talk about the community anymore, but what would you tell the viewers um, about coming out of that state of, I don't know, what do we want to call it? Loss, anger, frustration, breakdown, whatever you want to call it. What is the, the what's your recommendation for others that may be going through it? I would say identify what's happening, really just just voice it. You know what I mean? That really helped me to be able to say this relationship is ending. This is what happened. This is what part you played. This is what part he played. This is what could have been different. This was what was not different. And now this is over, you know, and, and you have to accept that and move forward because I always relate it to kind of like not getting a job, you know, that you worked for and you keep showing up to that job plate, you know, every day, you know, and they told you you didn't get the job, but you keep showing up, you know, you wouldn't do that. So why, why would you do that with something that's over? You know what I mean? And I believe that when you have exhausted all steps, you know, in all, all ways is when you shouldn't allow something to just fester and keep it going just for the show. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people make people relationship together because they're afraid of what everyone will think. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's, it's very unhealthy yes. to do that. You know what I mean? Or you just afraid to be alone. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to be the sister who, you know, a lot of people in the Muslim community joke a lot about the sisters who are there to do the fish fries or they collect the cat or they're, you know, bringing the, the lines together for the, for the prayer. They know these sisters have been divorced and single for the last 30 years and it's a real fear that you like, you're going to become one of them sisters. You know what I mean? And the reality is, is you have to think, you know, are you really, what are you saving? You know what I mean? Are you saving yourself? Or are you saving face? You know what I mean? So you have to just be very honest with yourself and very honest with your mate. You know what I mean? That this is what's happening and be brave enough to move on. It's um, as simple as that, in my opinion. Mashallah. Thank you. Thank you guys for that. I wanted to bring in some audience feedback. Um, I have a particular, a specific question, um, but there was something that someone said that I just wanted to kind of pinpoint. I'm not, I don't want to harp on too long, but, you know, the kind of like almost like a frustrated response to like what happened because y'all are doing a lot of work. How did this not work? And I often see that even in my experience that people think just because you've arrived at a place of peace and forgiveness, that means, oh, OK, so just get back together. And it's like that, you know, forgiveness and um, I guess a sort of return to kind of going back to what it was is not necessarily the same thing. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, because everything is for a season, and you know, and uh, I think part of it is that because and we, let's just face the facts. African people have experienced a lot of trauma. Yeah. So we have a really deep desire to see the opposite happen now. We, we desire to see, you know, even with all the, the backbiting and all the little individualistic stuff, we have a, a real deep desire to see each other win. And because a win for anybody is a win for all of us. Mm -hmm. So on one level, it's almost paradoxical dealing with this situation because I feel that there's a, a new generation that is not really impressed by our mothers and fathers who stayed together and faked the funk. Be, just because Allah hates divorce, for instance, you know, and just using that as just a, like a quotable. And so there, here goes mama with all kind of cancer, or father, you know, prostate cancer and fibroid tumors are two of the things that are ravaging our community. 
And when you look at the emotional root of those things, fibroid tumors come from unexpressed emotions and, and prostate cancer come from a feeling of guilt. And these are two things that are just ravaging. Again, that's the best word I could use, the African community in America, right? So there's a generation of people, there's just a new way of thinking that I think is just a sign of the times that it's not people giving up on familyhood or whatever, but absolutely giving up on suffering. Because well, I hate divorce, I hate suffering too. You know what I mean? That's one thing for sure, you know. I, I hate oppression, right? Um, so even if it's not a matter of oppression, though, in terms of what we would traditionally feel, you know, somebody beating somebody up or cheating on them and or bringing them crack to smoke at night or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? That's that's one form. But then when we look at the whole journey again, it's all internal. So anything, if we're oppressing ourselves with, with our thought process or if we're oppressing ourselves with heaviness because we have not learned how to process real emotions and all that, it's the same thing. So then therefore, you know, the, the, the option is to, to separate from that, you know, and along the way that for me, the, the, the foolproof sign is that Yasmin and I can still have a conversation. We do business together, you know what I mean? Her Cinnabon and everything, they sell at my, at my um, establishment every Saturday. People come out together, you know, we have these family ties that, you know, have not really um, been affected in that way, you know what I mean? That's something that, to me, that is the answer to what happened. So he was, he was just looking for us to still be in the same house together and, you know, is that is that the is that the um, the benchmark of success? Right. You know, or is it something deeper than that? You know, that's that's the question that I would pose in response to those questions. Powerful. Now, I have a question. Um, I want to just segue really quickly. It's actually directed to Sister you, Yasmin. And the question is, it's just a little big. I can't put it on the screen. But do, Yasmin, do you feel like it was easier to forgive? Because of the way Brother Kofi's demeanor is, sometimes I believe the other person's personality hinders the peacefulness between the divorced couple. Wait a minute. So are they saying that? Wait, let me read that back because I'm sure. I'm, sure. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I think what they're saying is because it seems no, like, like now I just met Brother Kofi just like an hour ago, but I think he's calm. He he has a calm calm demeanor, right? That's we don't know that. now. Behave yeah. yourself. Yeah, but maybe they're saying, like, he seems so calm and chill, so was it easier to, to, to you know, to not hate him? I'm going to be real. To not hate him because of how he is. Do you want to, you still want her to repeat the question, or? No, yeah, you I, got I, it. Just making sure they weren't trying to say, like, I was argumentative and angry black woman. Oh, no, 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 no. They're saying because of him. Because there's, yeah. I guess, from that woman's perspective, a lot of men may not be navigating it in this super reflective sort of way with all these kind of fundamental principles Brother Kofi has, you know? So it's like, does that play a factor in this forgiveness process for you, Yasmin, as the one? Absolutely, absolutely it does, you know? And that's one of the reasons why we were married, you know, we were friends because collectively we are intentional about what we, how we impact someone, you know what I mean? But Kofi's not always calm, you know what I mean? He got his times, you know what I mean? Just like a real person, you know what I mean? But the reality is, is that 
I will give myself credit as well. It's not just him. We were both actively involved in forgiveness. You know what I mean? So I want to make sure that there's women that are not leaving yourself out of the being intentional about healing. You may have a man who's wonderful with communication, but he might be terrible with communication with you. You know what I mean? So you have to be very sure that you're not leaving yourself out and forgetting that you have power too. You know what I mean? I had power in that situation as well. And Kofi's an excellent communicator. You know what I mean? He is calm and he does have his, you know, ways of making sure that things are settled and all of that. I wouldn't say that I really thought about whether or not that had to do with any of the forgiveness because I was making sure I was forgiving on my own time. And I was being intentional because that was something I wanted to do. You know what I mean? And and whether that made it easier or not for him, I don't know. You know what I mean? But the thing about it is, is I can only speak for myself to say, what I was doing and what I was being intentional about and alhamdulillah, he was on the same, you know, page and path, you know, which is why I believe we can be here today. Mm, yeah, good point. Um, and I know we're a little over time, but that's okay. This is a special edition. So um, we're going to, we're going to um, wrap up in a bit, but we do have um, another question before we kind of like come to that last question, Medina, which I'm gonna have you take. I did just want to, Asked you guys at this point in your process, is there anything that you guys wanted like to share with one another? Um, or have you guys had those talks already um, in regards to just forgiveness and or even just expressing gratitude? Yeah, we, we've had those talks already. <laughs> we yeah. continue to have those talks. You know, I mean, it's just I think one thing I can speak for both of us, Yasmin, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that we reflected even as we were going through the process is that uh, it's a real it's a real jewel when people say you keep your love life private, you know? And it's difficult because of the way we are situated in our communities, you know? It's like naturally very public, you know what I mean? And the reason for keeping it private is not for means of secrecy and all this kind of stuff, for hiding some scandal under the rug. It's really about um, giving yourself space to grow in a situation, in, in an environment that is very, very much outward and not very inward. We don't have most of the people of the world are not necessarily reflective, so everybody's always looking for a finger to point and all that kind of stuff. And you can get yourself caught up in the matrix. So you can have many eyes upon you, um, whether you know it or not, that have an influence energetically on your life. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, that's, it is what it is. I'll say I have something I wanted to say. Um, one of the things that Kofi and I did um, at the end of our relationship is went through divorce counseling. You know what I mean? Which is something I think people should do, you know, it's very helpful. And the couple that he spoke about, the Mazi Moyos, I spoke about them in uh, one of the previous episodes with the um, Warrior Healer Builders workshop that they do. They are a, a wife and husband, you know, that offered couples divorce counseling. And I'd never heard of that before. You know what I mean? But one of the things that we had to do at the end of each session was to offer some form of gratitude. And it's, it's very difficult to offer words of gratitude when you're angry or when you're that, you know, but it teaches you something, you know, that you have to learn that there's goodness in everything, you know, and so my gratitude as far as this episode is concerned is I'm grateful, Kofi, for you being brave enough, you know, as a man to come here and represent, you know what I mean, for men who are being intentional, you know, and being 
interested in healing, even if it's not a current relationship, because it teaches men to be more vocal about their feelings, you know, and to be more transparent, you know what I mean, about how they process things so that they can have examples of what that looks like and not just have bitterness that's leading the way. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I think to answer the sister's question, it does make it, I understood the question, I think, from Saula Shabazz. Uh, it it made it it makes it easier for sure when you're dealing with somebody who is not throwing um, obstacles in the way of healing. You know, we have our own time, and, and definitely there's been time to do this. <laughs> We've had time to get to this. You know what I mean? If you caught us six months after the divorce, <laughs> there been some, <laughs> some you know. I mean, we're joking, but you know. But you know, it's you know, Yasmin. It's it's a it's it's a reflection of Yasmin's character as well. You know what I mean? It's like some people. It's almost like you look at it like, boy, I dodged that bullet. Let me just get the heck out of dodge and never turn back. You know. But this is deeper than just some kind. You know, it's something that because of who she is and the type of person she is, then that makes it even more beneficial and more um, attractive to 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 extend the olive branch, so to speak, you know what I mean? It's just, so I think all around, again, as we said at the beginning, this is a reflection of what I know our parents have taught us in terms of community. And I'm grateful for them, for their example. So even though it's difficult and you just like anything else your parents teach you, you gotta go out in the world and learn it for yourself, right? You have to test the teachings, but it makes it, easier when you have teachings as a as a guidepost. Yeah. And it, it makes it example, not just teachings like somebody was running their mouth, but examples. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I don't think we caught what you said. Would you say really quickly? I was just saying that it makes it easier when you have accepted what vulnerability really looks like for yourself. You know what I mean? A lot of times when people are asking about a healing process, they're expecting you to express some form of pain, you know, really masked as happiness. Where you're like, I'm good, you know, I got my this and I'm getting my bag when you're really unhappy, you know what I mean? And you really haven't accepted that your vulnerability hasn't been addressed, you know, for what the loss, you know, caused, what type of pain that loss caused you, you know what I mean? So coming full circle with your, with your vulnerability is a real thing. And I'm acknowledging that I'm grateful for forgiving myself, you know what I mean, for the part that I played in this whole thing, you know what I mean, and I'm grateful for my vulnerability to be able to acknowledge that I choose healing, you know, first. Yeah. And how can you call yourself a Muslim and expect Allah to forgive you when you can't forgive yourself, you know, that as, as any religion, you can't believe in God, in my opinion, and you don't really believe in forgiveness mm. wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I wanted to, um, and Medina, please feel free to chime in. But the the final um, point that we wanted to make, I think you guys addressed it a lot, which is the aspect of community. However, I do want to just bring it back full circle to that because it's so important. You know, what we're doing and what you guys are modeling, may Allah bless you, may Allah increase you. Um, and may this be on the scale of good on the day of account for both of you. But um, what we're, what, what this is, so why this is so important, because this is about a greater communal issue. We can talk about what happened in our individual divorces and we can look at, and I, I can see a lot of people now saying, uh, you know, they just, you know, it's a perfect couple. Like, it's easy for them. But we really need you guys to draw off of um, 
many of a, a, a larger point, a larger point in the aspect of what the community, the role the community plays in these in sort of these relationships. And I know you talked about some of the experiences. And to be honest with you, the community's response and my relationship with community has been more painful than my own divorce. I know that that's me personally. The divorce was would be considered walking the park compared to what I've dealt with community wise. Um, so I wanted to just bring it back full circle and just get some very real advice about ways we can improve, um, you know, how we sort of look and view divorce in our community and how we can be a better support for one another. Um, if we could just both of you guys provide that for our listeners. All right, so I made some notes on this question too. I don't have a lot, you know what I mean? But one of the things that came out for me for this question is I get a little frustrated when there is this coupons or public workshops that are addressing people's personal issues without getting their permission to do so. And you know they're talking about you from the member, you know what I mean? Or they're, they're talking about whatever you went through without asking you if that was okay. And asking you, where are you at with your healing? I really would like that to stop, you know what I mean? Because it keeps people from coming to Juma, really, or coming around because they don't want to be like somebody knows you're talking. They're talking about you, and you got them sisters looking over at you, like girl, you know, and all that. So I think that I think people should end public humiliation, you know, masked as concern. Um, and then also uh, there's a thing about I would like there to be when I talked about that process earlier that's put in place. I want there to be something that is discussed financially when there's children involved, you know, that are not taken care of or not looked after or considered. When a divorce ends, you know, oftentimes there are situations where a woman gets divorced in Islam and there's just this automatic situation where the father takes the children, you know, or he says, if I don't get the children, you got to take care of them yourself. And he's been the primary breadwinner, you know what I mean? So the sister is left with no support, you know what I mean? So I think that this needs to be addressed. I don't know how, but it's something that I think is a concern. I know I saw in the comments, someone said imams are not therapists. You know, I can give props to my brother, you know, Imam Suleiman Hamid, who is working on his degree that it does include, you know, counseling, because in a sense, people are going to the imams as therapists. You know what I mean? And um, I think that imams should take the responsibility to get some training in that, because if you're offering marital counseling and you're telling that brother something that goes completely against what productivity looks like, you know, then that's wrong or the sister, you know what I mean? So I think that needs to be something that's put in place. And I think that um, there needs to be something to check in with couples after the divorce, after some time, just to check and see where they are. You know, if you expect them to give back to the community as active members, they should be, you know, understanding how they're still a, a community member. So, and I, that's what I think. Yeah, I'll leave my other points out because I got some other stuff, but I know we're out of time. Job, powerful, powerful, brother Kofi. Uh, I would, I would, I would draw the analogy of um, the story of an African um, community that has a different way of dealing with when somebody goes off off track. They start. It starts with a song that the mother learns in the womb, and this mother sings the song to the child while she's with child. And then when the child is born, that song is sung to the child by the community. And anytime this child act a fool, so to speak, they have this person in a circle and they sing this song to them. 
And that's just really a way of dealing with, that's another, a more civilized, in my opinion, way of dealing with um, the human experience because we're all going to fall short on some level and find manifest some type of imbalance. And I would say the same thing in terms of divorce. Um, as Yasmin said earlier, people, if, if we're really serious about community building and nation building, I know some people don't want to use the word nation building or whatever. I, I'm a Pan-Africanist, so, you know, that's just me. Uh, if we're serious about that, then we, and, and we, and we have a, a sincere joy in seeing two universes come together as one. You know what I mean? Because that's what it is. It's two universes, you know, in, in, in the human experience. Then we will have, we will treat that, those two, that, that union with care, and we won't wait until there's something wrong. You know, it's, it's not the time to really um, try to fix a situation in an emergency as it is in terms of being proactive, you know. And then this will, this actually will be a thing that becomes a habit of ours. And then you'll see more and more, less and less need for emergency problem solving because we have institutionalized these basic building blocks of, of, of nurturing a human reality. Remember, it's two human beings that are coming together to, 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 to perform a sacred act of, you know, um, of matrimony, you know what I mean? So if we, are looking at it's basically the same thing um Yasmin is saying the public humiliation or whatever however it comes if we have a mindset of care then the care will show the care will will will, will be demonstrated in a very tangible way and it will have results upon results upon results that can be measured through the years you know then all of a sudden then you have a community like many of the community that I um, when I embraced Islam, the community that I found, it was something that wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know if someone said in the chat, it wasn't to marry Yasmin and nothing like that, to be honest. It was something that was a calling from the creator that I had been studying and all this since high school, you know? So I came up in a generation where Islam was very um, deep into our hip hop and all that kind of stuff. So we was always just studying, you know? So, but the whole point is, I was attracted to a whole legacy, and that legacy includes intentionality about ha having your own and you know doing for self and all that kind of stuff. So my, I submit that our legacy that will attract future generations can absolutely include kindness and nurturing and caring for for these very tender institutions and truly if we look deep enough and we don't have to look too deep, we will find that this is the tradition of our prophet, peace be upon him. So it ain't nothing that we trying to do something new or, or something outside of ourselves. We're just basically doing what, what, who we say we are, you know? Absolutely. I don't know. Medina, did you have something to contribute? I did have a question up here. I think you guys have pretty much answered that. I didn't know if you had anything else to add with, which is how do we get the community to pull away from shame and have more support, but I do think you guys just- Yeah, I'll add something. I think one of the things that we didn't address is that, you know, as African people, I consider myself an African person, you know, and this American, I mean, Africans born in the United States is over the African-American term. We have to remember that we are impacted by our trauma that happened with being enslaved, you know what I mean? And that affects our economics, it affects our thoughts, it affects our mentality. And we have to remember that 
that whole thing is associated with the shame. You know what I mean? Because we've been so much trauma that we've associated that with our love. You know what I mean? You think about people that talk about, you know, old stories about enslaved people and how they found ways to cook and be happy and, and you know, do a ring shout or whatever. All of that was still associated with pain. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of people who are just looking for pain in order to find happiness and relating that to their love. You know what I mean? And if they don't have it, then they think something's wrong. So my thing is pulling away from that, period. Start there to, to be at the point where you say that these behaviors are a part of, you know, me, my people being enslaved. And this is in my blood, you know, that I need to rid myself of this. And address that first, you know what I mean, it's, as opposed to anything else, because if not, it's going to just keep resurfacing. It's going to keep coming up. Okay, so uh, thank you very much. Thank you guys for answering that. I have one more question. Not sure if you got how you guys will feel about it, but how do you get a person to perhaps get counseling or to get a third party to facilitate settlement of differences for the good of both parties when the other party refuses to do so? <laughs> I think it has to do with the approach, you know what I mean? And I think that's something that what Kofi was talking about a few minutes ago. This, I think when you only address healing when it comes to grief and, and, and frustration, it, it, it will never work. You know what I mean? Be brave enough to talk about your needs and all of those things, you know, before there becomes problems. I have a friend, you know, who told me um, him and his wife do this assessment of their 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 uh, marriage at the end of the year every year you know a year in assessment you know what i mean and at first i thought that was kind of crazy because i'm thinking to myself like i did it at my job you know but you got to think if you at the end of the year you you have to know you're meeting with your wife to check in and see how did i do or how did you do or how do i feel you know before it turns into you holding on to this anger four years later to say, remember when you didn't give me the ribs, you know, you ate all my ribs and you took all the money and you left, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, unfortunately, I think it has to do with the approach. You know, you can't approach it when it's too late. And oftentimes when, when people are bringing up the conversation of counseling is when somebody has already shut off the idea that they can do anything to move forward. So mm -hmm. talk about it ahead of time, you know, talk about what does, you know, healing really look like for us. So how do you feel about counseling? You know what I mean? Or what, what would you want to talk to me about if we got into this situation so that you already have an idea of what it looks like and it's not just a shock factor that this person is like, nah, I never wanted to do that, you know, but you've never asked them. So I would say deal with your issues before they become issues. Hmm. And also um, time. Someone told me the other day, the greatest gift you can give anyone is time. So if we are in a situation, and again, it goes back to the mindset again, if we are looking at life in a microwave kind of vibe where we just want immediate satisfaction, you know, immediate, uh, there's another word for it, y'all know what I'm talking about, gratification and all that kind of stuff, then we won't give ourselves and each other time to, again, be human and, and, and to work out things. You know? Time is very important. It's just, it it's, it can't be, I don't think it could be overstated. Absolutely. You have to accept sometimes that somebody's not going to do all the things you want to, you know, you may have to just agree to disagree and try and figure out another way to resolve it. You know what I mean? And figure out what it is that needs to be resolved and what are your other options and ask them, how would you solve this? If you're not willing to do that, what are you willing to do? Right. Absolutely. Powerful, powerful. Medina? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to um, add on to that. I, I think um, 
the idea of counseling scares people. And I think that we need to change the language of it. Counseling does not mean that you have problems. It doesn't mean that something is really, really wrong with you and you're gonna be put in this category of people who, who maybe need to be in a straitjacket. That's not what it means. You are um, trying to seek help from someone who has a, a non-judgmental, it's a non-judgmental source, so it's not the community. Okay, I'm just gonna say that. Um, it's a non-judgmental source that can maybe give you another perspective. And you take it or you leave it, but they can give you another perspective on what they're seeing from the both of you. And they're really neutral. I, I say that because I, I harp on that. You know, I harp on that when I talk to, talk to um, you know, clients or students or whoever I'm talking to, that it's not about me telling you what to do. It's about me helping guide you through whatever you're going through and, and finding it in yourself to get through it, you know? Um, so I think people really need to change the language of it. Counseling should not happen just because you have a problem. I think yeah. everyone is counseling personally. I think there's a peer pressure, there's a peer pressure thing involved too. You know, I don't want to start none at the end of the episode and start a, a topic for a new episode, but I witnessed um, different types of social pressures being implemented live and direct in um, certain communities, you know, like um, almost like, so we, we're dealing with counseling and the fear of it, just to keep it very specific. You know, part of it is the judgment that's been talked about already, you're, fear, you're afraid of judgment and also afraid of looking in the mirror, you know? Yeah. And then then mm -hmm. you, when you add that to the peer pressure of like a whole bunch of people who are afraid of looking in the mirror and girl or homie, you ain't you want to do that. Then it's just, you can forget it. So you, you, you're, you're, you're nurturing a culture again, that's anti-life instead of pro-life, you know? And it's, uh, it, it's something that may seem like you're protecting yourself or protecting your feelings. But at the end of the day, you just making yourself more vulnerable to all these other, parasites out here because we're not dealing with the elephant in the room. So, and as Yasmin said, it don't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful, powerful. Well, I wanted to just offer some gratitude. And there's a lot of gratitude that's been here. I'm going to share something from Sister, I think it's Yinka Winfrey. This is incredibly awesome. I, I, Madase, am I saying that correctly, guys? Madase? Yeah. Okay. Madase for organizing and facilitating this and for sharing your divorce healing and forgiveness journey with us. So I echo my sister Yinka by just giving you guys so much honor and respect. I was fearful to approach this only because I have my own particular triggers and wounds and it's just a tough topic, but I just give so much, um, send so much gratitude your way. Thank you both for being here and being vulnerable with us. Um, Lila, it takes bravery, you know what I mean? But I think that um, one of the things I could say for Kofi, myself and Kofi is that we are intentional about our community, you know what I mean? And, and the only way our community is gonna move forward is if people start to stand up and look for healing and be intentional about it. You know what I mean? Whether it involves you or not, you know what I mean? You have to think about what part you're playing in it. So I was grateful when you asked me, you know what I mean, to be a part of this because I'm, in, I'm interested in our community healing. You know what I mean? We need it. We need it more now than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I wanted to just thank you, Sister Medina, for being here and helping us get through this amazing episode. Um, it's been extremely healing. The audience is all sending their gratitude to you guys. I know we're way over time, but it was worth every minute. 
Um, for those that have asked over and over about whether it's recorded, yes, this is recorded. You can always find it on YouTube. You can always find it on the Don't Muscle Woman Podcast Facebook page. You can go back and watch it as many times as you want. Um, continue to share it. Continue to support the Don't Muscle Woman Podcast. Um, we have a link. Um, usually Saudi places it, but it's for our Teesprings. It's where we have our products and how we finance this amazing content. Please don't forget to come back tomorrow. It's a two-part episode. So we are doing part two um, with Ziada Dean and Daoud Akbar, who are also now a divorced couple, but they are they not talk about navigating co-parenting. They had they share a son and they're gonna be talking about that sort of um, aspect of things, which some of you guys asked about. So come back tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. Jazakallah Khairan. May Allah bless you again, Brother Kofi. May Allah bless you again, Sister Yasmin. Thank you, Sister Medina. Hope everybody has a good night. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah.